News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR on News Talk. We are joined by Antishuk Leo Vradkar. Good morning, Antishuk. Morning. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, thank you indeed for coming into us. Uh, can we start with the issue of uh, uh, housing, I suppose, and no surprise there. Um, over 7,000 households face eviction within the next three months. We hear this morning uh, of 15,000 tenancies exiting the market. If you'd known about the level of households facing eviction, or maybe you did know, did you know that when you made the decision on ending the eviction? Because we're only hearing about that in the last 24 hours. Not not the exact number, but we did know, and I think everyone knows that for a number of years now, uh, we've seen um, an exodus of small landlords from the rental market. Uh, It's been, I think it's 40,000 over the last five years uh, have left the rental market. So we were certainly aware that that was an issue. And that's one of the things that's contributing to uh, the housing crisis. And uh, the view that um, Minister Brian took, which I supported very strongly, was that uh, continuing um, the ban for longer uh, would have caused more landlords to uh, exit the market, thus making the problem worse later. Um, and that's fundamentally one of the decisions why we decided not to continue with it. I, I, and I get that, and there's certainly logic to that, but is the reality that it, we are now facing, at least in the short term, a tsunami of evictions? That term is being used a lot. Well, I, I, but look, look, it depends on, on, what, on what people people mean by that. Um, it, it's absolutely the case that we're in the middle of a very deep housing crisis. I don't think anyone is in denial about that or doesn't get that. Um, there are areas where we are making a lot of progress. You know, more new homes built last year than any year in 10. Um, more social housing built last year than any year since 1975. Um, and we're seeing record numbers of first-time buyers. Um, and that's, you know, that's encouraging. In, in December and January, we had more first-time buyers than any year in 13. You know, it may even be the case. We'll know when the census figures come out. Some of the economists are speculation that we, you know, we, we may already be seeing home ownership starting to increase again, and that would be a very positive thing. Um, but one of the areas that is in a terrible state is the rental market. Um, and that's in part because of inadequate social housing and in part because uh, small landlords are leaving en masse. Um, but what we shouldn't lose sight of, um, you know, we're hearing about a lot of tenancies, notices to quit, a lot of tenancies ending. Uh, last year, 50,000 new tenancies were created. Uh, so in the vast majority of people, uh, cases where people are receiving a notice of termination, um, they will be able to find uh, an alternative place to go. In some cases, that's going to be social housing. There's an extra thousand uh, made available every month. So some people who qualify for social housing will have social housing as an option. Tent in situ is an option as well. So that's where the government comes in and, and buys the house. Yeah, and it's not uh, really happening though, is it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And, you know, three, Dublin City Council alone is in, is in the middle of buying 300 houses. So th- those are people who are on HAP or RAS. They're in, you, you know, they're, they're, they qualify for social housing, but they're in private rented and uh, we're buying those houses. Then there's the new tenancies. Just since the start of the year, 2000 new HAP tenancies, for example. Um, so, you know, there, there are, are a lot of solutions available for people and um, emergency accommodation is not a solution. It's only a backstop for people who can't find anywhere to go. And we have to make sure that uh, people who do end up in emergency accommodation aren't there for long um, because because of all the effects that has on, on individuals, particularly on children and families, if they end up in emergency accommodation for a prolonged period, okay. which, which we're, we're, we're going to do everything we can to avoid. But I think one thing we should bear in mind, and this is often missed from this debate, and first, you know, when, when I look at the public polls, 
Um, the, I think the public understand this isn't a black and white issue and the public's quite quite almost evenly divided on this. None of these homes that are being vacated are going to be va- vacant for long. Um, a lot of them are going to be bought by first-time buyers, uh, people who at the moment might be living with their parents or living in overcrowded accommodation. Uh, some will be occupied by people who've gone abroad for a few years, maybe teachers coming back from Dubai or um, maybe a guard or a doctor to live down the country. Uh, in some cases, it's, um, you know, they're going to go to family members. So it's, or it's, or it's some will be that. put back on the market at ramped up rates by maybe a few unscrupulous landlords. Well, if, if they're put back on the markets to, to rent again, at yeah. a higher rate, rental. That's We're a, that's hearing anecdotal yeah, stories yeah. about that. Oh, oh, look, look. No matter what laws you have, somebody will break them. Yeah, no matter yeah, what regulations yeah. you have, people will flout them, and th- that happens. That just happens. But that's th- that's where enforcement comes in. Okay. But I, I do hear these kind of stories sometimes that that, that people, you, you know, um, serve a notice, of, a notice of, of termination on a tenant, and then put it back out to rent at a higher rate, or put it out to Airbnb. For We've example, all heard those like that stories. is absolutely illegal. I, yeah. I, I know that happens. Um, yeah. But you know, it's okay. very clear that that's illegal, and, and enforcement action will be taken. Can we quickly deal with the charge put by uh, Father Peter McVerry that you uh, overrode the authority of the Housing Minister in insisting that the eviction ban would end, and and the spokesperson mm. for you uh, yesterday emphatically denied that. Uh, Peter McVerry standing over he said the public will have to decide whether to believe me or the government but I think the evidence points in my direction. Did you override the housing minister? No, um, that claim is 100% untrue um, and there is zero evidence to support it. Uh, so the Minister of Housing, Dara Bryan, recommended back in October that we put in place a temporary winter eviction ban and the government, including me, uh, agreed with that recommendation. And a few weeks ago, um, on photo advice from his officials, um, three options were put before uh, the party leaders and he recommended option one, which was that we should not continue with the with the um, uh, the temporary winter eviction ban for reasons he's explained. So that's, that's okay. the absolute 100% truth of it. And like I say, the claim is... 100% untrue and zero evidence to support it. Okay, uh, let's park the, the uncaring government narrative. I, I, I don't buy that for a second. I don't buy the idea that you're too ideological to build state houses. I don't think that stands up to any scrutiny. Well, but it, it definitely doesn't because no, no government in, in my lifetime and perhaps yours, Shane, has built more social housing than this one. Fair. Yeah. But can we deal with the more credible charge? Um, that there might be, you put the arguments for ending uh, the, the, the ban to keep landlords in the market. But that you should have prepared the ground better for that. You should have put in place, you know, those mitigations, those protections uh, for tenants a little bit earlier instead of that mad scramble that we've had in the last couple of weeks where it looked like it was the independent TDs, not the government that was actually calling the shots on this. You, you actually haven't paved the groundwork for this. And because of that, we could be facing into a disaster. I, I don't think that's um, fully accurate. You know, we used the period of the temporary winter eviction ban to build a lot of additional social housing, um, about 6,000 units um, provided dur- during that period. And um, that will take a lot of people off the housing list and will also free up a lot of private rented accommodation for other people because a lot of people who move into social housing move out of private rented accommodation. Uh, we also increased the... Um, uh, amount of emergency accommodation available uh, and as well as that we got this tenant in situ scheme going uh, it's only getting going now but we did get it going uh, the independents um, sought some concessions in particular areas uh, they were largely things that had been called for by the government parliamentary parties already or were in train and we were we were kind of uh, happy to bring them forward um, so you know one of the things for example that we're really focusing on, on is dereliction there's a lot of derelict 
buildings and houses in Ireland, particularly around rural Ireland. And we now offer grants of between thirty and 50,000 for people to renovate them, to bring them back in use. We relaxed, relaxed all the planning rules around that as well. Uh, we have a fund to uh, enable local authorities to CPO uh, properties and bring them back into use. So one of the things we have to do now is kind of sit on the local authorities and make sure that they do mm. all of this. Um, we've given every local authority funding for a dedicated vacant homes officer, for example, to uh, really push that forward and drive it forward on the ground. And, you know, m- maybe one's not enough. Maybe in some of the bigger counties, we need two or three. Are you losing the argument or are you losing the debate that certainly people under 40 seem to feel that you're uncaring and we've dealt with that, but that you're also not addressing this issue and you're, you're what, you're three years almost in, into government now. There isn't a sense that you have got a, a it's not easy and nobody's suggesting mm. it's easy, but there isn't a sense that you have got a grip on this issue. Well, you know, I think the only way we're going to change that perception is, is through results. Uh, and we are starting to see some so, some really encouraging results. And I think as far as younger people are concerned, the biggest issue uh, for them when I speak to them is home ownership, the ability to own your own home and all the security and advantages that come with that. Uh, and I was really heartened to see in January, for example, that we'd more first-time buyers than um, any month since we started accounting back in 2010. Like, that's really encouraging. And I think we're actually going to see that accelerate uh, over the course of the year. And we are now seeing uh, house prices at long last level off, probably falling a bit. Um, Incomes are rising faster than house prices are. And, you know, that's how you achieve affordability over a period of years. Um, And why is that happening? Because of the extra supply that government is bringing on board, because of schemes like help to buy that's it's, helped it's, people say it's home. slow it's piecemeal it's not happening quick enough the planning system is cumbersome mm. they're, ge- oh, they're, oh, they're legitimate criticisms oh, look, and, and they are and I absolutely guarantee it, the most frustrating thing, thing for me um, being involved in politics trying to get on top of this issue now for a number of years isn't the false allegations that get made against you or people criticising uh, your character or telling you you don't care any of that stuff that you just have to deal with in politics what's most frustrating for me is that it is taking so long um, you know, and if it was the case of signing an order, passing a law, or signing a check, uh, it would all be but, done. But by you're now. not, but there an, are you're not an impartial you know. observer here. You you can you can call the shots here. That's the point people say. You know, if you're frustrated, you know, address those issues. And we are, um, but there are constraints. You know, for example, we've seen a big increase in the cost of steel materials all that has an impact that's beyond our cool, control. Had an impact Ukraine yeah. had an impact yeah, absolutely. absolutely and and it's all against the backdrop of a rising population and smaller household sizes and you know we had a construction industry collapse 12 years ago two-thirds of construction workers either left the country or went into other jobs so we've been trying to rebuild all that um, okay. if you go back to 2014-2015 I know it seems like a lifetime ago there were four or five thousand new homes being built every year by the time I finished my first term as Taoiseach that had increased four or fivefold to 20,000 uh, under Michal Martin it increased another 50% again to 30,000 but we're only starting to get to the point now of equilibrium where we aren't even there yet actually quite frankly um, and we have to redouble our efforts and do everything we can to okay. uh, speed up supply but there are you know there are there are real constraints and, and unfortunately unfortunately and I know people may not want to hear this but no matter who's in government uh, those constraints will be there uh, you know serv- availability of service, service land things getting stuck in planning um, availability of construction workers and you know one of the things we're doing on planning for example is a whole new planning bill uh, to speed up the planning process and a whole new planning court so things that don't get stuck in court um, um, but you know it's interesting to see m- many of the people who, who oppose these changes are actually the ones who give out about the housing crisis being so bad. And the same thing we see on the ground. I see it in my constituency. I see it all over Dublin and all over the country. The people who shout the loudest in the doll about the housing crisis are 
the ones who are most likely to object mm. to new homes. You have objected um, to housing in your own constituency, I have to point out. I haven't in seven years, Shane, um, because in clear conscience, that's not something I can do anymore. Okay. Uh, and if this is a crisis, and it is, uh, and if this is an emergency, and it is, in an emergency, the perfect is the enemy of the good. And I'm no longer in a position, you know, that I, I could oppose housing okay. because it's too high or because there's too many one beds or any of that rubbish. But, you know, the people who shout the loudest in the doll and sometimes on the streets are the ones who um, are... Quick fire. Okay, some uh, people say it's not rubbish to point out, you know, if there's a, if it's a bad plan and there's too many of a certain type of development, it's not rubbish to, to, to oppose yeah, that. Yeah, I, I, I get that. I get that. But this, this actually is a housing emergency. Um, yeah. And, you know, are we really saying in somewhere like Drumcondra, for example, that, that you know, we should, we should oppose social housing and one-bed apartments because there aren't enough one-bed, there's too many one-bed apartments already. Like, like the area where, where the area, the area where housing need actually is its greatest in Ireland yeah. uh, is, is, okay. is one bed. Right. And let, let, let's move on from housing. Just very quickly, can I ask you about the, um, the owner Bryn uh, uh, controversy, the eviction um, picture that he retweeted. Uh, he said it was not his intention to offend, criticise or drag and Garda Shiacon into a political controversy. His intention was solely to highlight the issue of homelessness, evictions and criticise government policy. Are you satisfied with that clarification? Yeah, look, he's, he's clarified it and um, I understand he's apologised to the Garda and you know, and I, 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 I would leave, I would would leave it there. I, I do think the portrayal though speaks to a bigger picture, and and it is this narrative that that's been pushed by Sinn Fein and, and some of the others really for a month now. Um, that every notice of termination or even many notices of termination will end up with somebody being, you know, thrown out of their home by the guards and security people. Like that's that's just not the case. You know, the number of notices of termination that actually turn into a court mandated eviction I, I don't know what the number is but it's a tiny percentage but they would like people to believe something else and and it's the dishonesty more of it that that would bother me but look he's okay. he's apologised and let's leave it there uh, There's been a lot of commentary on the stability or lack thereof of the coalition speculation about early elections we were talking to Matt Carty uh, earlier on Kira was interviewing me he spoke about this being the last chapter of the coalition's uh, book what's your response to that are we in the last days of this coalition? No, uh, this is a government that's built to last. Um, I wouldn't have led my party into it if I, did, if I didn't believe it could run full term, and it can. Um, we're definitely closer to the halfway point of this government than the end point, and you can see that in the votes. Like, there's a huge amount of hype and um, pretty poor comment, commentary from some of the commentators, quite frankly, not, not you, uh, in recent weeks that the government was ever somehow uh, on the ropes. You, you know, I've been around... Um, and I know political history and so do you for governments that got by winning every vote by one or two or three. Uh, go back to the Bertie Hearn governments, for example, minority governments with the help of a few independents. We're not in that position. We have enough votes just with the government parliamentary parties alone. And then with independents, we have a super majority. And you can see those votes in the doll okay. that we're winning them comfortably. No election before late 2024, early 2025. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's correct. You know, this is a government that has work to do um, on housing, on health reform, on the cost of living, uh, fighting things like child poverty, improving child welfare, on law and order, um, dealing with the uh, crisis in Ukraine. And, you know, this is a government that's busy doing its work and we're going to keep doing it. Okay, a few other issues I want to ask you about before you go, uh, Taoiseach. Uh, You're setting up a child poverty unit in your department. Mm -hmm. Tell us the thinking behind that. Yeah, so so the memo is going to Cabinet on Wednesday, which will formally establish the unit within my department. And that's really going to coordinate uh, all of 
the government's efforts to reduce child poverty and improve child well-being. Um, you know, I'm a strong believer that uh, you need to give every child the best start in life. That's not just good for them, it's good for society. Uh, and the investments that you make in those early years uh, are the ones that pay off the best. And you know some of the things we're doing already, like the free school books, which comes into effect for all primary schools in September want to make sure the kids have the books they need. Um, Mr. Humphrey's really driving forward with the hot school meals because uh, it's sad to sad sad to know, but it is true that there are children uh, in Ireland who get themselves up for school um, for whatever reasons. Their parents aren't able to look after them um, in the way they should, and these kids get themselves up for school in the morning. And there's very strong evidence that if there's a school breakfast or a hot school meal. Those kids are more likely to make it to school and if they are well fed, they're able to concentrate um, and behavioural issues go down. So we're starting that in the DESH schools and special schools, mm. the disadvantaged schools. We're going to extend it to all schools um, over time. Um, doing things in healthcare as well, like abolishing hospital charges for kids. People know the cost of childcare went down um, uh, in January. So this is just what we've done the last three months, but we're only getting started. And this unit with, within my department will coordinate all government departments and make sure that uh, that agenda gets implemented and we don't allow things to slip. Okay, uh, it's the 25th uh, anniversary, of course, of the Good Friday Agreement. I know you were at an event in the uh, Abbey Theatre last weekend uh, to mark it. It's a huge, huge landmark. Would you or are you confident we'll see the resumption of power sharing in Northern Ireland to, I suppose, to, to, to befit that occasion, mm. to mark that occasion? Well, I, I think it's I think it's right that we mark the occasion. Um 25 years of peace on our island has opened up the door to a future that would not have been possible. So uh, it is worth marking it and celebrating it. It was one of the landmark achievements, um, uh, I think, of the past century. Um, another stepping stone in our national story. Will the executive and assembly be up and running um, You know, within the next few weeks? I, 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 I don't think so. Um, but You're not uh, optimistic. Uh, well, I, I think it can happen. I, I think it can certainly happen this year. Uh, we would would all have liked if it happened before the anniversary, but that seems unlikely now. And there are local elections coming up in Northern Ireland in May, and that of course affects the picture too. Um, but you know, I, I would certainly hope in the next few months we can have the institutions up and running again. Um, and I'm working very hard with the British government uh, to put in place uh, the environment where that can happen. And it is unfortunate that one political party, the DUP, is making that impossible. Um, uh, and I really think the people of Northern Ireland. Uh, deserve to have a functioning government, a dissolved government, a devolved government. Um, almost all the problems that we face here, they face up there as well. Um, worse in many cases, and uh, you know, people need their elected politicians working on their behalf, and um, that's that's what I believe most people want, including unionist voters. So, okay. uh, we'll do all we can to make sure that happens. Uh, just very briefly, we're um, looking at pictures. We were looking at pictures of um, uh, New York ahead of Donald Trump being arraigned uh, later today. You're, it's an extraordinary story. Your 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 take on given a, a, a former U.S. president mm. uh, facing a criminal conviction. It's an extraordinary development. Yeah, it is. But I suppose there's been nothing not extraordinary about uh, the Donald. Donald Trump story and his presidency. So don't um, don't uh, don't be surprised if he still wins the Republican nomination, uh, despite all this. And, and of course, m- much more serious charges in, in Georgia than in New York. And yeah. uh, they're still going through the procedures. But look, um, look, it's it, it's 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 certainly certainly makes politics more interesting but I'm, I'm glad we don't have that here What about the current president? Do we know much about his visit uh, in next week to, to this country? 
Um, well, plans are underway. Uh, very much looking forward to uh, greeting President Biden to Ireland and following up on uh, the discussions that we had in Washington a few weeks ago. Um, it's actually not officially confirmed yet, by the way, and uh, the program isn't finalised. Um, but we're working together with... Um, <laughs> he is coming, though, isn't he? He, he, he is, but I do hasten to add it's not actually confirmed. Okay. So um, so there's, there's an outside chance that it won't go ahead, but we're operating on the basis that it will go ahead and all the plans are being put in place. Now he's going to Northern Ireland first uh, before he comes um, comes south. So, uh, you know, there's three governments involved and a lot of logistics to be worked okay. out, but um, but it's, 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 it's coming together. Uh, just very finally, it seems incredible. Um, we have gone through uh, an interview for the, the goods of 20 minutes. We haven't spoken about the cost of living crisis at mm. all. Have we turned a corner just briefly in that, do you think? Uh, not yet. Um, inflation is slowing down, um, but inflation slowing down is not the same as prices falling. Uh, so um, all the things that we've committed to do, uh, you know, in terms of the additional child benefit payments, um, the additional help for business, additional help for people on pensions and on welfare, um, all that that we've committed to will happen and people will receive that financial support throughout the summer. Um, and then we'll assess the situation then running into the budget and see if there's more that we need to do. I, I do think we are going to see inflation level off uh, this year. Um, but, um, you know, we may have seen a permanent increase uh, in the cost of living. Energy might come down, but hard to see other things falling much. Okay. So a, a permanent, if you like, increase in the cost of living, and that has to be reflected then with permanent increases in pay and pensions and welfare, and that's that's what we're working towards. Taoiseach, Leo Verlacher, thank you for talking to News Talk Breakfast this morning. Thanks a lot. News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR. Weekday mornings at 7 on News Talk.